accurate blue-collar theology to shield the mind, body, and spirit. This is Full Armor Radio. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Full Armor Radio. I'm your host, Brandon Lockridge, and it is just me today. I'm not going to be joined by Mike on this one. As we mentioned in our most recent update episode, uh, when we provided updates about what's going on with us and Full Armor Radio, we had mentioned that there would be sometimes some episodes in which um, maybe both of us would hop on and provide a quick 15-20 minute bite-sized episode. Uh, Sometimes we would have our standard 45 minute to an hour long episodes. And then there would be times when maybe just I would hop on and we would would, uh, do a quick episode uh, talking about various things. And so today is one one such episode in which uh, we're going to uh, discuss confessions, uh, something I've been thinking about a little bit recently. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, do a a class talking about uh, the g- going through the Belgic Confession. Basically, uh, it was a, it was a class that I conducted and facilitated at my church, and um, had the opportunity to uh, to go through the Belgic Confession, which was a great blessing. And so, um, this will probably end up being a, a line of episodes in which. We'll maybe work our way through some confessions and catechisms. For those of you who are longtime Full Armor Radio listeners, you'll remember a couple years back when uh, I was going through, gosh, it's more been more than that now. It's been a handful of years now, I, I suppose, in which I was going through the Second London Baptist Confession. Uh, we didn't make our way all the way through. My, um, my views on baptism and... Um, uh, Reformed covenant theology uh, changed a uh, little less than a year ago. And so, um, but we were doing a lot of various topics um, after we had done some stuff on the Baptist Confession. And so, anyways, I wanted to do kind of a, of a reset here and, um, and talk about confessions in general and uh, the importance of them uh, on this episode and then in future uh, episodes in this uh in this series we'll probably spend some time going through uh some articles of various confessions and, and creeds and whatnot so um and catechisms so um so first of all uh just want to talk about what is a confession well everybody is pretty much familiar with church statements of faith. Every church has a statement of faith, even if it's not on even if it's not on the church website, there's there's typically a statement of faith uh, in in every in every church. And a statement of faith is simply a declaration uh, about what uh, a church believes to be true in regards to theology, ecclesiology, philosophy of ministry, etc., right? Um, if you hang around in any church for long enough, you will find that the leaders of that church believe some things to be true, right? Um, whether those things are biblically founded or not, right? They believe some things about some things, right? Um, and in the 16th and 17th century, the Reformed Protestant churches that had broken away from the Roman Catholic Church 
also <laughs> believe some things about some things, right? They believe some things to be true. Uh, however, unlike today, where the modern day church's statement of faith might be one or two or maybe even three pages long, uh, the statements of faith from these reformed churches were typically <laughs> dozen, dozens of pages long and dozens of chapters long, dozens of paragraphs long, right? And these, uh, these statements of faith were referred to as confessions. And um, it was interesting, in the late 19th century, early 20th century, you had this sort of fundamental, Christian fundamental movement that came through uh, in, in the States, uh, in particular, uh, where they basically said, well, we want to get rid of all those those creeds and confessions and, you know, that's a bunch of old traditional nonsense. And uh, really, we just follow the Bible. And really, one of the, one of the, uh, the big term that, or um, philosophy <laughs> that came out of that movement uh, was this statement, no creed but Christ. All right? I'd say no creed but Christ. We don't need all those other confessions and 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 creeds and other things. No creed but Christ. Well, that statement, no creed but Christ, is indeed a creed. <laughs> right? They're saying we believe this to be true. We believe in no creed but Christ. That's a creed. That's a confession. Right. And so out of the Reformation era, you saw all kinds of different confessions popping up because many churches were attempting to break away from the Roman Catholic Church. And during that time, uh, this was actually a really dangerous thing to do. Uh, back then, there were only really two camps. You had the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church and you had the Anabaptists. And the Roman Catholic Church taught grace plus works, right? grace plus merit. The Anabaptists were kind of all over the place in their theology. Uh, some believed Christ didn't come in human flesh. It was more of like a, a celestial flesh. Some denied original sin. Most, like uh, the Roman Catholic Church, believed that salvation was grace plus, right? Great grace plus works or merit. Um, and I think pretty much all of them were Arminian uh, in the doctrine of salvation. Um, so the Protestants in their confessions were trying to tell everybody we're neither of these groups. Okay. We're not in any, either one of these camps. We are, um, biblical Christians. And because, uh, there was no unified denominations at that time, lots of confessions were being produced. Um, you had the reformed Anglicans, uh, had the 39 articles, uh, John Calvin, along with other clergymen, had crafted the French Confession, which actually much of the Belgic Confession is uh, based off of. Uh, your Dutch and Continental Reformed churches uh, had the three forms of unity, which consisted of the Belgic Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort. Uh, the Presbyterians had the Westminster Standards, right? The larger Westminster, larger and shorter catechisms, Westminster Confession. The Congregationalists had the uh, Savoy or Savoy Declaration and so on, right? And uh, these confessions were very large, <laughs> very thorough, uh, because they had to be. Uh, they had to separate and distinguish themselves from uh, the Roman Catholics and the Anabaptists. 
Um, so because these confessions were so thorough, they covered almost everything in regards to uh, foundational Christian doctrines. Um, so <clears throat> question that sort of comes up is, you know, why study these things? Why study these old 16th, 17th century confessions, right? What's the it's kind of the purpose of doing that. Well, um, every everyone that has uh, that has listened to Full Armor Radio for any extended period of time will know that I commonly refer to myself as a Sprolite. <laughs> I'm a I'm a student of R.C. Sproul. He's by far my favorite theologian, modern day theologian. Um, and uh, he once said that the problem with the church today is that we don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. Right? We don't know who we are in light of who God is. Right, And so uh, the general Western church culture today suffers from a lack of knowledge. And to combat this lack of knowledge, faithful men of God have preached the word uh, week in and week out. And this is uh, something that we're very thankful for, very thankful for, for faithful uh, pastors, men who are getting up in the pulpit each and every week and faithfully delivering the Word of God. Um, in, in addition to the faithful preaching of God's Word, uh, it has been a long-standing tradition of many Reformed churches to teach through the confessions and the catechisms. Every great Reformed systematic theology typically follows the traditional doctrinal order of what has become known now as the six loci of Reformed systematic theology. So what are those six pieces? Well, um, you're again, any, any good Reformed uh, systematic theology, you're going to find that it starts with theology proper, which is the study of God. Uh, anthropology, which is the study of man. Christology, which is the study of Christ. Uh, soteriology, the study of salvation. Ecclesiology, which is the study of the church, and then eschatology, which is the study of last things. Uh, and the Belgic Confession, if we're now looking specifically to the Belgic Confession, uh, and, and the reason I'm highlighting this one uh, is because uh, the church that I attend is a continental Reformed or, or a Dutch Reformed, part of the Dutch Reformed tradition. And so they have as their... Uh, statement of faith is is basically the the uh, three forms of unity. And so the confession uh, within the three forms of unity is the Belgic confession. And a lot of the other confessions follow the same pattern of the six loci of Reformed systematic theology, but the Belgic confession definitely does. And so um, our, our ultimate goal uh, is to have our lives changed by this knowledge of who God is and, and who we are, right? And so um, knowledge of doctrine is is very important. Uh, without a strong understanding of right biblical doctrine, we're prone to being taken captive by all kinds of worldly philosophies and empty deceit, as, as Paul says in Colossians, right? Um, we are told in Isaiah 5, uh, that the people of God go into exile for a lack of knowledge. Uh, in Hosea 4, uh, we're told that the people of God are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Um, 
And so uh, the confessions uh, assist us in in uh, learning uh, right biblical doctrine, uh, in learning good theology. They also assist us in the goal of, of training and, and equipping our families and the families uh, within the uh, within our congregations, right? Um, however, one thing I, I want to make note of, and I've I've beat this drum before on on the program, but if theology is just a bunch of stuff we know, right? It's it's useless. Uh, it should practically change the way that we live day in and day out, right? So that's a little bit uh, about confessions, uh, about um, you know the their beginnings, and and confessions go back so much further than just looking at 16th and 17th century confessions. I mean, there there were creeds, or early early church creeds, right? You had the Apostles' Creed, Athanasian Creed, Nicene Creed, right? They had lots of creeds uh, in the early church. And so this was nothing new. These confessions were nothing new. They were just very, very thorough. Uh, and so um, one of, uh, aside from obviously studying the Word of God, one of the greatest blessings uh, that has uh, come my way has been through uh, the study of these confessions. Um, And so I'm looking forward to uh, having the opportunity to go through some of uh, these confessions with you, go to to, uh, kind of comb through some of the various articles in these confessions, uh, just because it's the confession that I've been most recently studying. I think that we will go ahead and probably start with the Belgic Confession. And so uh, what I'd like to do in the next episode is to give some history, some some historical background on the Belgic Confession and how it came to be. And so that's what we will talk about uh, in the next episode in this line, uh, in this this series uh, that we're going to do on creeds and confessions and catechisms. So thanks a lot for tuning in, and we'll catch you here next time on Full Armor Radio.